Hey, this is Jamie Andrews from True TV's World's Dumbest, and you're listening to the world's smartest podcast, The Shadows. Welcome back to The Shadows Podcast. This week, our guest is Chancellor Jackson. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Drip Oden, I'm your host of The Shadows. As we mentioned on part one, this conversation transpired hours after the release of Brittany Griner. So Chancellor talks about being arrested in Beijing on drug charges. Now listen to him talk about what transpired during his time in prison, his release, working with at-risk teens, and all the things he's doing since, to include writing some books. So if you like what we're doing, please take a few minutes and leave us a five-star review. It would be greatly appreciated. This also helps us get these amazing messages out there to more people. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or theshadowspodcast.com. Without further ado, let's pick up this conversation where we left off. Episode 110, Part 2, Chancellor Jackson. When did you get to notify your family and, and how did Day it all seven. go down? Day seven. Um, so I was I was in there a whole week and we had to meet with the immigration dude. So he collected all the, well, they got the guards to collect all the foreigners and they took us to the lobby of the jail. And it was one immigration dude and it's about like 30 of us foreigners down there. So he got to go to all of us individually to, <laughs> to work with us. So we just, yeah, we was down there for a good little minute. Um, but we was able to get, go get our phones because we had to find somebody who could uh, find somebody to buy us a plane ticket for whenever our time to go is. Um, so they let us get our cell phones. So of course he way down the line. So I'm so I'm responding to all the messages I done got. You know what I'm saying? At least trying to tap in with the most important people. Let folks know what's going on. Um, and we I was only able to be on my phone briefly. Cause I was responding to messages and then he came up and he was like, okay, who, who gonna buy your ticket? I was like, I can buy my ticket. He's like, you can't buy your ticket. I'm like, well, my mama could probably buy my ticket. He said, all right, call her. So I'll call Dukes. And this is the first time talking to her. <laughs> and she, I was like, yo, what's going on? She's like, you tell me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm locked up. She's like, yeah, I know I got an email from US Embassy telling me you was, uh, you have been arrested. Yeah, your brother dropped me off at the airport right now. I'll be in Beijing tomorrow by like four p.m. Oh, I was so like, she was hey. she was freaking out. She, yeah, <laughs> she, she she she's like I'm on the way. I'll be in Beijing tomorrow. Yeah, I'm like damn. <laughs> All right, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My mama don't play. So um, I was like, well, can you buy a ticket? You know what I'm saying? The immigration dude said we got to find somebody to buy a ticket. She said yeah. So I'm like yeah. Duke said she can buy. He said all right, hang up the phone. I said, damn, all right, man, I got to go. <laughs> so that was the last bit of communication I had with anybody until I came back to America. Did you have an attorney or anything like that? You were talking about I ain't seen, man. They took me to one precinct, another, the second precinct. I did my official interrogation at that second precinct, and it's dramatic because they take me to the basement of the precinct into this room and lock me into this all-metal chair that looks like an electric chair. So this chair locks, locked my shins. Thighs, waist, chest, and arms all into one place. Only part of my body I can move is my head. So I did my whole interrogation locked into this metal chair, just like this here. Um, and then uh, once we got done at that second precinct, we went straight to the, the jail. And they threw me straight in the cell. Anybody from the embassy you talked to? I ain't talked to the embassy to day 10. 
And once wow. I finally got to talk to them, they was just like, um, yeah, ain't really much we can do, but uh, make sure they ain't treating y'all inhumanely. They ain't treating y'all inhumanely. I'm like, no, not really. I, I don't know what's going on, but aside from that, yeah, well, okay, then. I need you to fill out this form. If you want us to contact anybody for you, we'll let them know. Aside from that, <laughs> he said, uh, uh, least amount of time you do is two weeks. The most amount of time you do is a month. So, <laughs> that's, and that's pretty much it. So, <laughs> yeah, so I was like, hey, they, really, they want no help either. Um, so, but I'm like, hey, it is what it is. I'm just ready to get on up out of here at this point. You're so especially you notified that you got released. Man, um, them folks came, opened the door, <laughs> called my name, told me to come on. <laughs> you had like a vision that. or something, didn't you? About yeah, um, so yeah. So with me not receiving any information from them in regards to how the process works, how the jail operates, you know what I'm saying, all of that, I received signs and messages from my ancestors letting me know how long I would be there and how my release would uh, be. Um, and they showed me how my release would be um, in, a, in one of my dreams. And in the dream I had, we would sleep, you know what I'm saying, right, it was... Right before they used to announce for everybody to wake up, I hear the cell door opening um, and hear them calling for me and one of the uh, other inmates. So I'm, I get up, I'm like, I knew the other inmate was, he's supposed to get out the next day. So I'm like, dang, they call you a day early and they calling me with you? I'm like, okay, it might be my mama. She must have been pressing their line or something, you know what I'm saying? He, uh, we, I'm like, but you're supposed to get out tomorrow. I'm like, we ain't even know how long you were supposed to be here. So I'm like, hey, boy, it don't even matter now, but we finna get ready to go. So we walk out the cell, get to the elevator. We get on the elevator, and the CO gets on there with us. We going downstairs, and we're heading down to the bottom floor, and then the elevator just stops. Light shut off. It's dark in the elevator. I'm like, boy, what the fuck going on? What the fuck? You know what I'm saying? I'm tripping. <laughs> like, what's going on? And the CO in the, in the elevator with us, he's just yelling. I don't know what he's saying. I'm like, bro, what is he talking about, bro? What is he saying? And then the other inmate was like, he's telling us to wake up. I'm like, wake up. And I, that's when I started to become conscious again. And I woke up. I'm like, oh, boy. Damn, that shit was crazy. So I'm like, hey, bro. I, was like, I just went and told him. I'm like, hey, bro, we going to get out, bro. We going to get out. They going to come get us. Like, it's going to be random. But we going to get out. My partner, the dude that in my dream that got out with me, he got out the very next day. But I ain't get out till, you know what I'm saying, a whole week later. <laughs> but it was the same, like, we sleep. I hear the cell door opening, and they just calling the name. You know what I'm saying? They calling my Chinese name. They just gave me a name because, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, they couldn't pronounce Curious, my American. Now, what was your Chinese name? Uh, it was Jukhu. So it's Jackson in Chinese. Okay. Um, so it was, they calling my they calling my name. But I, you know what I'm, saying, I'm not... I ain't, I ain't used to hearing that or going by that, so I, I'm just trying to get some sleep. I ain't really paying it no mind. And then my other inmates, they like, hey, shaking, like, hey, bro, they calling you, they calling you. I'm like, huh? Huh? What's going on? They say, hey, bro, they calling you to go, bro. It's time for you to go. And I get up to grab my bowl, and I just pause, and I just start flashing back to the dream I had. I was, <laughs> and I was, I was, in, it was such an epiphany. Like, I didn't really forgot that these folks are telling me to go home. Yeah. Like, they calling me to go home. I'm just, just, so shocked at how in tune I've been with my subconscious this whole time. 
Mm-hmm. It's the most tapped in I've ever been in my entire life with yeah. the higher the spiritual realm, my subconscious, all the ancestors, the whole nine. So I was, it was, uh, it's a big spiritual moment for me. But shook it off real quick, grabbed my stuff, and <laughs> skated on them at that cell. Yeah. Um, and then they took me. Sh- Downstairs, put on my clothes, you know what I'm saying, so I can get dressed, have me sign paperwork. And then we hopped in the van, took me straight to my apartment to pack up the rest of my stuff. And as I entered the apartment, <laughs> sitting there in the living room on the couch with my mama. <laughs> ask, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's my Duke sitting right there on the couch. So uh, we got this, it's all a little embrace, you know what I'm saying, warm embrace. Um, I'm just trying to chop up, fill in, you know, everything that happened while I'm packing up the rest of my stuff. And um, once I got everything that I needed, uh, they took us straight to the uh, to the airport where I was deported from the country. Hmm. What, look, looking back at those fourteen days, uh, what was it that kept you hopeful throughout the whole thing? What were you most optimistic about? The day I got arrested, um, well, before I got arrested that morning, I prayed to my ancestors. I did my my typical Thursday ritual. Uh, preparing food, laying the food out for them, and then praying and paying homage to them. So I did that that morning. So with me getting arrested a couple hours after that, uh, I knew I was going to be good. I knew I was going to be good. I didn't know how it was going to play out, mm-hmm. but I'm like, I'm going to be good when it's all said and done. Yeah. Um, so that and, of course, I was praying to them left and right all throughout <laughs> the 14 days. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, just me. Just being – I'm just – naturally positive you know what i'm saying i was going that's optimistic side of me you know what i'm saying always going to be in full throttle um so just you know if, i'm like shit, if i don't got hope or faith then i ain't got nothing you know what i'm saying literally i ain't nobody else i, <laughs> I ain't like i know anybody else in here <laughs> you know what i'm saying anybody the difference there. of being optimistic versus you could be pessimistic all day long and it gets you nowhere it just stresses yeah. you out more me. <laughs> exactly. It's gonna make the, exactly, exactly. It's gonna make this shit ten times worse. I'm like, imagine if I would have been there blaming, pointing the finger at other people. Oh yeah, yeah. Situation. I'm like, man, it probably would have been a whole completely different situation. I'm like, man, the universe, like, he ain't even learn nothing. <laughs> he ain't yeah. learn nothing. So, yeah. So yeah, I would definitely just being accountable and just taking my consequence to the chin. Oh yeah, I ended up doing the shortest amount of time out of everybody I was locked up with. Yeah, crazy enough. Like all the other foreigners I liked them with, man, I ended up doing the shortest amount of time at everybody. And everybody else knew exactly all their information, what they got locked up for to the fullest detail, how many days they supposed to serve, all of that. I'm the only one that don't know nothing. Yeah. What what uh do you have appreciation like almost uh when you got released, a newfound appreciation for? Oh man, just life in general. All the little things. Like you know what I'm saying? All the little things people ask me. How it can change. <laughs> People ask, how you doing? But I can't never complain. I can't never complain. But shit can be worse. We've all experienced worse, and yeah. this ain't good. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? All right, man. Every day is a great day. The choice is ours. Now, how how was that when you came back? I'm assuming you probably flew back into Atlanta. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a connecting flight from China to Seattle, then Seattle to Seattle. Atlanta. Okay. So you, you land, you fly back. You're not just readapting to culture in the states but then you've just gone through yeah I mean, something that just completely shakes you what was your mindset when you arrived back in the u.s um just and what's next i'm sure you got that that going. was really it that was really it because like yeah. okay 
this doesn't follow me anywhere. Like, if I didn't write this book, nobody would have known this had happened to me. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like, yeah, it was just an, it was all. Charlie was just an experience, all entirely, mm-hmm. start to finish. Just a whole experience, good and bad. I had a full experience in China. Yeah. Um, so I was like. I knew I went. I went through that for a reason. Of course, I made. You know, what I'm saying I made a decision. That was the consequence from it. But I feel like it was bigger than that. You know, what I'm saying it was bigger than that. I'm like, I'm supposed to do something with this story. I don't know what, but I knew I'm supposed to do something. And I'm. I got to figure out what I'm gonna do now as far as a career and just moving forward. You know, what I'm saying what. What am I gonna do? Um, but I'm like the only difference between now versus when college came to the end, you have experience. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got experience. And your experience on the other side of the world, that's going to open up doors for you, my boy. And it definitely did. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm still in education. I just fell into coaching football, going out to going up to the high school. My my old high school, just watching them work out over the summer, summer workout. You know what I'm saying? Hey, you trying to coach? Shit, I ain't got nothing. Man, I ain't got nothing to lose right now. Yeah. I ain't got nothing to lose. Defense, special teams. Defense, for sure. Yeah. I, I've only played defense my entire career, and I played in the secondary. I played every position. Free safety, corner, strong, safety, safety. Corner, nickel. I played it all. True okay. BB. Thank you. So, um, fell into coaching. Um, started writing 14 days in Beijing that summer. So, I got back in April and started writing until, like, July. And I got that inspiration from one of my close friends that I grew up with here in Atlanta. Um, he was a published author, traditionally published author before we graduated high school in 2014. So mm-hmm. he was like, hey, bro, you should write a book about the experience. I was like, that's a great idea. I don't even know where to start, but that's a great idea. <laughs> he even took it a step further, took my phone, went to my notes, left me a five-layer outline, very a brief outline. Yeah. And I just started filling it in. And with me filling in, I called a flow for how I wanted to go about telling the story. So I moved it from my notes to a Google Doc to type it up. Four months later, the whole, uh, the story was written. And then spent the next six months just, you know what I'm saying, getting it ready for publishing. And while I was still on pre-sale, I was the number one new bestseller in three different genres. Nice. Yeah, yeah. What, what was the biggest <laughs> challenge of writing a book? That's something I respect anybody who's done. Mm-hmm. I, haven't, I feel like everyone on my podcast has written a book but me. <laughs> uh, what what in the world like is it like is it uh the hardest part is getting the story done writing the story i figured it, it's part. almost like writing a paper just getting it going yeah 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 it, it, man you hit the head, nail right on the head and that's what i preach to my clients that i coach that who want to be you know what i'm saying who aspire to be authors but don't think about this like i'm your professor and i just assign this today and it's due at midnight yeah, it's your don't story. Do it. <laughs> don't do that, bro. Exactly. It's, it's yeah. a creative project, bro. You can do, you can tell this thing however you want to tell it. You can write it however you want to write it. This thing can be in straight pig Latin, bro. You know what I'm saying? You have all the freedom and control. Yeah. So I just tell everybody, like, hey, bro, to start off, man, don't worry about no punctuation, no grammar, no readability, man. Write that motherfucker like you sending a long-ass text message to one of your best friends. And your natural write it just like that. You know what I'm saying? Don't worry about all that other shit. Just get it on paper first. Plain Jane. You know what I'm saying? Raw like that. You can fine-tune it afterwards. Yeah. Just to get it on paper, man. Right? Like you send a long text message. And then you can go back and we can, you know what I'm saying? We can work it out then. You know what I'm saying? We can perfect it then. Um, but yeah, that's the hardest part, really, just getting it written. And then of course getting it edited and um 
you know what I'm saying, chapters developed and structured and all that. But that's really, that's when it gets fun. After the writing is over with, now it's full of creativity. All right, I want yeah. this section to be a, I want this section to be a chapter. I want this section to be a chapter. I'm gonna call this chapter this. I'm gonna call this chapter that based on how this chapter goes. You know what I'm saying? That's when it's all fully creative. I want the cover to portray this and I want it to look like, man, it's, that's the when it gets fun. good. I like the cover. I appreciate it. Man, it's crazy how that even played out. The original um, version of hold on, I'm grand. This is my original version. Oh, nice. I get I get concept art. This is my original concepts. So okay. I drew a picture of my torso in the uniform. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And then I'm saying I wanted the title to go across my chest and my name to go across my abs. That's how I originally sketched it out, and I'm just showing people, and everybody like, okay, that's hard. It's cool. It's cool. I showed it to my brother. He was like. I dig it. I think it'd be harder if it was an actual picture of you, though. I was like, mm -hmm. that would be hard. But that jacket, I need that jacket to recreate that picture. And that jacket's in Beijing Jail 6. I ain't going back on there. You know what I'm saying? I can't even get that. Um, but I'm like, if I can find a jacket that had similar uh, material, uh, then I could recreate it. I was like, is that what you did? Yeah, I'm just researching, trying to find jackets. I'm like, I'm like I, can't, I couldn't find... I couldn't find anything that I felt uh, resembled it until I was in my brother's closet. Not even Looking on through. eBay. Not even a market for it on eBay. Because I'm like, I honestly don't know what type. I'm like, I couldn't tell you what type of material that jacket was made of. I just know how it felt. Because I, you know, I just know how it felt. Um, so I'm in my brother's closet, just looking at his wardrobe. And he had a Dickies jacket in his closet. I looked at that Dickies jacket. Touched it. Opened it up. Psh, hey. Boy, this is dead at. But we was wearing Dickies jackets in there. They just ain't had Dickie, the Dickie label on. I'm like, we were wearing Dickies jackets in there. It just, you know what I'm saying? The same exact material, same exact feel, weight, everything. So I'm like, okay. Went to Dickies website. They only had one blue jacket. <laughs> I bought it. Um, hit up my partner. I played football with that Stetson. His girlfriend is a phenomenal artist, um, fashion designer, the whole nine. So I hit her up. I'm like, hey. Sent her a picture of, uh, well, once the jacket came in, took, you know what I'm saying, gave her the jacket and gave her the sketch. I was like, hey, this is how I want the jacket to look. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Top half yellow, bottom half blue, one on red Chinese characters uh, going across the chest and on the back. And then you can just throw your own little flavor, you know what I'm saying, on there when it's all said and done. But that's mainly, I just want these main parts, main components. And a week later, she called me back to the apartment. And I'm almost teared up looking at the jacket. I'm like, boy, <laughs> this is all these flashbacks and memories just started coming. I'm like, boy, it looked exactly like how this is the one I wore in there. So I was like, oh, yeah, it's up now. Now I was like, okay, we're just going to have a photo shoot. So we booked uh, some studio time at a photography studio. I got one of my partners I grew up with here in Atlanta. That's a photographer now. And we, just did, and, uh, we had another one of our classmates. He's a you know what I'm saying, videographer, photographer as well. So I had my one partner taking pictures, you other partner all recording the right people for this. All, all in house, Jeez. all in house, all in house. So how, it was like, how was it when you finally held a copy of it, like a physical copy in your hand? Crazy, <laughs> crazy is uh, just being able to own something. Like and that's a legacy. That that that'll be. We're still reading books from hundreds of years ago. Oh me, facts, facts. So. It was, it was empowering, you know what I'm saying? Most people, are, you know what I'm saying, my background don't really have ownership, don't really own anything, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We got a lot of possessions, but far as owning it, you know what I'm saying, entirely. I'm talking about, like, this is something I created, 
all and this is all me entirely. This is mine. We don't really have anything like that. So the fact that I had something that I created, got my name on it, like it's all me, hundred percent me, and it's going. And I put it out to the universe, and it's going crazy. Yeah. Oh man, it's no, it's that man. That's high of a lifetime. <laughs> that's high of a lifetime for sure. For sure. Well, you're not just an author, like you said. You coach. You also work with at-risk teens. I mean, you talk about coming home and being like, "What am I going to do next?" How, what is that experience like working with at-risk teens? Um, it's a vibe because most of them they got arrested for drugs, <laughs> so it's a, they can relate to this story like isn't like no other. That relatability is um, big, man. And not for real because of course they, you got you know what I'm saying. They program. They got it. Judge like you can either go to jail or you can join this program. Mm-hmm. They joined the program. So it was like, of course, they're going to have folks coming up here all the time to come talk to us and lecture us. So, uh, in fact, we got a young cat in here, and he a uh, bestseller author, and his book about getting locked up in China for drugs. Oh, yeah, this is lit. So, we, you know what I'm saying? We just read a chapter, and I had discussion questions already pre written out, and it was just life skills. You know what I'm saying? Just basic life skills. Um, and I'm just really just helping them reflect. Yeah, a lot of the reflecting I got to do with my time in there. I don't know if they was uh, was able to have that same amount of time to reflect, or if they, if they were given that same amount of time, can they even tap into that part of their consciousness to have that deep reflection? Yeah, I highly yeah. doubt it. So let me be. <laughs> you know what I'm saying that that guidance to um, assist you. In that, and we're gonna say we're just gonna reflect on, we're gonna read Lucky story, how he handled his situation. Now, now let's reflect on y'all's yeah. and how y'all and compare, contrast, and what can we take away, and what could we have done better. All right, now moving forward, you know what I'm saying on that type of time. So it, it was a vibe, and they really enjoyed, like they enjoyed, <laughs> they enjoyed us coming up there and working with them. So it, it was cool, like that was cool. Yeah, I, I, I didn't go in and just talk to them, but getting them to actually share their. Oh, me. They've been through as well. That's what the, the, they, you bore me. Get up there and just talk all day about me. It's what all me, kinds me, of troopers do. <laughs> oh, me, 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 me. Da, 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 da. Yep. And a lot of them was, man, I'm talking about a lot of them was recovering addicts. Wow. Like hardcore stuff, hardcore drugs. You know what I'm saying? So it was crazy. It, it was, it was, it was honorable, honestly. Very, very honorable. Um, so yeah, I was grateful to, grateful to be able to share. With these young, these this young generation, especially ones that are, you know, what I'm saying on the verge, which is on the verge of losing themselves. Um, so to be a, a just a, a catalyst, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying in their journey is just as as man. So I like I like to preview the episodes before they come out. I'm trying this new thing, and I like to ask the guests this, either on air or off air, but it's from blank to blank. If you were to describe yourself, I'm assuming to be from 14 days in Beijing, what would the two be? Um, man, <laughs> from being fresh out of the county with nothing to lose to... Man... Cause that's pretty big, helping others, yeah. getting that word out there. I mean, I got a lot. That's, there's so many titles. I'm like, man, author, yeah. coach, <laughs> entrepreneur, um, a sage. 
Yeah. Okay. I like that. And what's next for you? Like, what's the next big thing you want to do? Um, continue to uh, grow Corlay Publications, LLC. So I own my own publishing company, which all my books are published nice. through, and my coaching services ran through. Um, so you gotta let you get that story put on film. Oh yeah, yeah. That's man. That's yeah, man. That's been one of the goals since I dropped it. <laughs> that's been one of the, yeah. I, man, it could be a film. It could be a TV show series. It can be a documentary. They could, they could add some stuff. They could make it. I mean, Battered, yeah, you know battered and bruised a little bit in the film. Yeah, yeah. you know what I'm yeah. saying? Make it juicy. Yeah. But yeah, that's definitely one of the end, uh, end goals. Get that thing on the big screen. They um, six you escape. All that. You know what I'm saying? It's a break. Yeah, yeah. Michael Schofield. Tell <laughs> me. But um, can see the growth Quale uh, Publications. Um, I definitely, I got one author up underneath me right now who just published his book through my publishing company. Um, and you know what I'm saying? He went through the service, uh, the coaching service. So I walked him through the whole writing process and publishing it. And his book ranked number one new bestseller, two different genres, on October 16th of this year. And it's titled The Fatherless Child by Anthony McKinney. It's a great, great read. It's a drama. Great read. No cap. Um, and I got, you know what I'm saying? I'm working with other clients as well. So continue to just grow Kole publication. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to see, okay, then this book on the Kole publications, book on the Kole publication. And the best part about Kole publications, LLC, all our authors own all their rights and all their royalties to their work. We're just, you know, we're just using Kole publications to get you on the, you know what I'm saying? On the pitch. Everything else, man, that's all you, for sure. Tell all your family and friends <laughs> that want to write a book. Come on over here. <laughs> Call it publications. We will be a household publishing company. For so sure. We'll have the link in the description. And what do you want your legacy to be at the end of the day? Man. Understand I'm a man, nothing more. Um, I ain't perfect. I've been writing on my wrongs. And that's. You put anything, you know what I'm saying? We all face adversity. Adversity introduces a man to himself. So to take your lessons and better yourself from your experiences, you know what I'm saying? Just to be like, um, just that role model, a role model that, you know what I'm saying, a lot of us need. You know what I'm saying? We all going to fall on our face. We all make, ain't none of us perfect. You know what I'm saying? But you got a good heart and a good spirit, man. That's going to, universe going to take heed to that. You know what I'm saying? And once you find your passions, your desires, oh man, it's going to be a wrap. So just being, being a, you know what I'm saying? A hustler, a motivator, encourager, um, enlightener, influencer, leader. For sure. I like it. Well, I can't thank you enough for taking time to be on here. Um, I mean, awesome story. We'll have the link for the book, for the publishing company, everything in the episode description here. So folks, make sure whoever's listening to this, that you go check those out, go over there, support them, grab a copy of the book. Um, crazy story. And thank you for sharing it here with us today here on The Shadows. Thank you for joining us this week. And make sure you subscribe to The Shadows on your favorite podcast platform. 
Stay tuned next week as we have another episode here as we continue to bring these stories out of the darkness and into the light on the Shadows Podcast.